All right, guys. Hey, if you want to make your way back to your seats, we can get started here. If you haven't noticed, we put up a number for you to text your questions in. And because this room is notoriously bad at getting cell reception, we also put up the Wi-Fi and password so that you can, you can uh, get some internet access, send a text message, and then maybe log back out so that somebody else can get up there too. All right, so go ahead and text your questions in. Pastor Cam is going to help me with this, and he's going to pick out some questions. So, All right, we good? We, uh, we settled a little bit enough? We'll never be fully settled right now. There's going to be some chaos. But All right, fir- first question. Um, as an individual, do I pray for all the spiritual gifts? If so, how do I know what my gifts are versus what someone else's are? And then how do I lean on other parts of the body? So three questions there. But Three-part question from the first one. Okay. Do I pray for all the gifts? I would say yes. Pray, pray for all of the gifts. Um, open yourself up to the Lord to receive any gift that he might have for you. Uh, there might be a few that you are especially drawn to, especially among the more uh, sign gifts or revelatory gifts. Um, so uh, the more extraordinary gifts like healing, tongues, prophecy. Uh, in my experience, most people are kind of drawn to one of those. And so if you're feeling that, I would really lean into it and pray specifically for that gift, but also just be open uh, to all of the gifts as well. I think the next question was, how do I know my gifts? Um, there's a really helpful article by Tim Keller on uh, understanding spiritual gifts. He's not as uh, charismatic as we are theologically, but it's a really good article on how to discern and live into your spiritual gifts. And so he talks about um, ability, what comes naturally to you, um, what you are, are most passionate about, um, I forget the word for that, um, and then opportunity, basically where there's a need. And spiritual gifts are often at the intersection of what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and where there's a need. And so I would look into those things and then talk to people in your community group to see what they, what they see in you as a spiritual gift. That's good. What was the third part? I think you got the third part oh, in that snap. one. So that's right. good. Way to go. Nailed it. Um, if prophecy is supernatural encouragement, and they put like a verse or reaching out to someone, etc. And we're all ha- able to hear the voice of God as a whisper and nudge. Would that imply that we all have the spiritual gift of prophecy? Or how would you distinguish that? That's a good question. I would say that not everybody um, has the gift of prophecy. I think some people are just going to have it more frequently and more accurately than others. And we would say those are the folks that are gifted in prophecy. But I think all of us are um, invited to uh, a life of uh, prophetic involvement and engagement. And so um, for me, I don't feel like I have the gift of prophecy because I don't, I don't frequently receive kind of words and visions even though I, I seek them and, and pray for them. Um, and yet I don't think there's any reason for me to do that any less. Um, and I, I still do occasionally receive something prophetic from the Lord and pass it on to somebody else. So I would maybe think of it like Uh, The spiritual gift of evangelism, we're all called to evangelize and make disciples. Some people are just supernaturally effective at it, uh, and others are are maybe less effective at it, but that doesn't mean they're any less commanded to do uh, evangelism. Does that make sense? How can we as a community pursue healing 
both physical and inner healing for ourselves and each other better over the long term without becoming discouraged or resigned. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to start passing some of these back to you, too. So yeah. whenever you want to jump in, just go for it. Uh, I didn't sign up for that. Okay. I figured if I just got you up here and then said that, you'd have to do a couple of them. Um, so praying for healing is, um, I think, a really important thing for us to do as believers, both physical healing and inner healing. It's a big part of of what we feel like the Lord has invited us into as a church, uh, to be one of the churches in the community that will boldly ask for healing from the Lord, physical healing, inner healing. Um, And yet one of the things that we've seen is that it is really hard to pray for healing or to receive healing prayer uh, over a long period of time without feeling discouraged. So for me, um, in seasons where I've felt uh, sick, I've struggled with chronic pain off and on. I've struggled with depression for a long time. Um, I've had a lot of people lay hands on me and pray for me to be healed of those things. Um, and I've seen some kind of small forms of healing, but for the most part, I haven't, haven't been healed uh, instantaneously of those things. And so honestly, I can feel within myself like, well, you know, why do it again? You know, we've, we just, I just had somebody pray over me a month ago. Why, why do it again? And as the years go on, it's, it's tempting to get less uh, hopeful and expectant around healing. So one of the things that we, we try to do is encourage people um, to really focus on seasons of asking for healing. Um, so if you have a chronic illness, it might be exhausting to just be constantly asking for healing, constantly inviting people to pray over you. Um, and one of the ways to minimize discouragement is to kind of have seasons of, of boldly asking for healing and then seasons of focusing more on seeking contentment in the Lord. And so I think this is part of what Paul's talking about um, in 2 Corinthians when he's talking about the thorn and his flesh. So he says he prays three times for it to go away. And we know that, that Paul doesn't like pray flippantly. These were like intense, prolonged seasons of prayer. And yet that also means that there were seasons in between those where he wasn't specifically praying for healing. He was just kind of walking in the ordinary part of life. And so I found that to be fairly helpful for myself and others. We're always seeking healing, but it doesn't have to be the same intensity day in and day out, week in and week out, uh, year to year. That's good. A uh, couple questions that are kind of combined here. How, how do you recommend we practically pursue the gifts? Or just kind of some questions saying, like, what's, what's next for us as a church, kind of as the outflux of the series? Yeah, you want to take that one? Or? <laughs> Uh, I'll, take one a. I'll take one. I'll take one a. Yeah. How, how do we pursue these in in community groups? Um, I think in a lot of ways we were talking about this in my community group last week. Like, why do some places experience these things and some don't? You know, we all have that question. We're like, if this is for everybody, then why every church I've been to hasn't experienced this? In a lot of ways, it's just you you get what you're looking for. So there's some sort of expectation. Um, so in a lot of ways, we don't want this to just be like this burst firework of a series. And then like, oh, that was cool. Remember that spirit series we did? We want it to become a more just natural part of our church life and community. And so one of the ways we do that is just to to continue to pray. It's our praying church is really connected to this. That's why we're even encouraging our community groups to do once a month, not like a normal community group, but doing it like a prayer prayer night. Um, And just continuing to kind of keep it before us, to seek um, moments of kind of silence, to hear his voice for things, to... Um, just make it a more normal part of what we are doing, um, healing stuff in community groups. But I think a lot of it just falls on just leaders kind of creating space for those, for those types of things. Uh, again, I just want it like, to be a, a normal 
part of what we're doing. Yeah, and so the second question was kind of what's next what's for next us as, as, a, a church, as a church, yeah, yeah in, terms of, in terms of spiritual gifts, I'm assuming. Um, we, I'm, I'm hopeful and prayerful that this series is more of a floor than a ceiling. Mm. So the ceiling would be like, remember that time we did the spiritual gift series? We like hit the ceiling and then came back down. We're glad that we did that so that we can say that we did. I hope that this is more like the floor where the rest of church life kind of assumes this to a certain degree and builds off of this. And so it doesn't mean we're always going to be preaching on the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Like we're, we're, we've got another few series lined up and we'll be in and out of the Gospels and, um, and, and Acts uh, over the summer. Um, and so there's, there's a sense in which it won't always be this dominant of a theme on Sundays. And yet we're still going to be pursuing the Spirit just as boldly. So uh, seeking more Spirit-filled worship, um, seeking to engage in the spiritual gifts in community groups like Cam said. Um, continuing to teach on the Spirit throughout other series and things like that, as well as probably taking a few of the topics from this series and then expanding them in future sermon series. So I'd love to do a whole series on healing, um, maybe a series on prophetic ministry and gifting, um, maybe something on like hearing, you know, the Lord's voice. One of these topics we could take and expand to like four weeks or six weeks or something like that. Um, one question is, I'm scared of using the gifts in the wrong way, that it might be blasphemous. Is this something I should be concerned with? Yeah, good question. Scared of using the gifts in the wrong way. Um, I, I appreciate that concern and just the desire to, to protect the church. Um, but I, I would just say the, the gifts even used, you know, wrongly with good motivations and a heart to serve the Lord it typically doesn't do that much damage either. So I would just encourage you to keep keep going. So um, if you if you feel like you have a, a word from the Lord, you're not sure if it's actually from the Lord. Um, if if it's not like something where you think it could be hugely discouraging, like one of those kind of three or four things I talked about last week, to be really careful of. If it's just kind of an internal hesitation, I would just say, like Cam said today, move forward in faith and share that thing. And I've gotten a number of things over the years where somebody shared with me like a, a picture or a word or a verse, and they're like, does that mean anything to you? Colossians 8 comes to mind. And I'm like, I'm so glad you shared that with me. There's not a Colossians 8, but thank you so, so much. And I don't feel like, you know, I don't, I don't feel, you know, they might feel like, gosh, I, I didn't do well, so I'm not going to try it again. I was just saying, like, no, you were, you were listening and you're getting better. Like, every spiritual gift is developmental to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. Like teaching is a spiritual gift, but it's also something you grow in the more you do it. Yeah. And so every, every spiritual gift is like that. So I would say just keep, keep going, um, keep trying to learn and grow. This is a really safe environment to do that. Um, you're not gonna be, um, you're not gonna be like disciplined or, or anything for being less experienced in spiritual gifts, um, especially when you're doing what Paul says, which is follow the way of love and be eager for spiritual gifts. Yeah, that's good. Um, here's a question. If you were taught that the gift of tongues was an initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how do you wrestle with, um, I guess maybe just talking about that yeah. a little bit, um, being self-manufactured, genuine, all that stuff? Yeah, so a lot of the charismatic world uh, does teach that uh, praying in tongues is the initial evidence of baptism in the Spirit, which is something that is separate and secondary to 
receiving the indwelling presence of the Spirit at salvation. So they would teach that you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, but then subsequently you would be uh, baptized in the Spirit, and the evidence of that would be praying in tongues. Um, and we, we don't believe that. I, I think I talked about that in the, the intro to the spiritual gifts uh, sermon, which is like week five. Um, I don't, I don't see evidence for that. We don't see evidence for a second uh, spirit baptism. Um, but I, I also resonate with, um, I think, where that doctrine came from, which is trying to make sense of why we can feel so spiritually dry after conversion. Um, you've probably experienced in your own life seasons of, of dryness uh, spiritually, and, and you can wonder, like, what is it that I'm, that I'm missing? And so... Um, I think spirit baptism can be uh, a way of simply describing the ongoing process of renewal in the Holy Spirit that we experience. It can be like a massive kind of awakening around and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I wouldn't say that's a spirit baptism, um, but we take that kind of uh, continuous renewal view of the Holy Spirit. So um, you can continually be kind of filled afresh by the Spirit uh, over and over. Um, I forget if that answers the whole question. Yeah, I can piggyback on it a little bit. It said, uh, he he was just even asking about uh, why often in, it's kind of the Pentecostal denomination that is, kind of has this primary teaching of uh, you're baptized with the Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues too, which is kind of like, we just don't believe that either, that there's like, if you're, you're, there's Spirit-filled and non-Spirit-filled and the evidence is that you speak in tongues, but that it has like a real, like, well, why does that happen so much? And uh, oftentimes it is when, when there is a, when a gift is given or when people do speak in tongues for the first time, there might be some really supernatural experience where you have a real sense of God's presence, that it's overwhelming to you, um, and your life might have some kind of like big trajectory like it would if you had a real experience with God, right? Like it would really mark you for a season of your life or for an extended period. Um, so I think those two things go together at times. I don't think that's like wrong or faulty that that happens, um, but just the distinction thing of kind of the spirit-filled versus non uh, yeah, we're not really we're not really with that. But and I'll, I'll just share. So First Corinthians twelve. Uh, I mentioned this in the tongue sermon, but verse twenty nine it says, "Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret?" Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And and Paul in, in context is clearly saying, like not all are going to do this. Not everyone's an apostle. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone works miracles. Not everyone has gifts of healing. Not everyone is going to speak in tongues. And so to to frame tongues as a definitive sign uh, of uh, a spirit baptism, uh, I think is is uh, is incorrect because it it explicitly says not everyone is going to pray in tongues. Um, and so it kind of sets up like a. a two-tier Christianity that I don't think is uh, true of the New Testament. Are the sign gifts more important than the other spiritual gifts? Why have why has Trinity not led the congregation through other gifts of the Spirit, like teaching, administration, etc.? Yeah, good question. I would not say that the sign gifts are more important. Um, the only thing that we see in terms of um, Paul saying to pursue these greater gifts. So it's it's the same passage I just read, verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The greater gifts, uh, it can't mean that some gifts are better uh, or more important than others because in the context that's basically what all three of these chapters are about is that all spiritual gifts are meant to build up the body and they're uh, they're good and we should should seek them and the, the eye needs the hand and 
hand needs a foot and all that. Um, but he's saying that there are some that build up the church more than others, especially prophecy. Mm. Um, so that's what he's getting at with greater gifts. I talked about that maybe a couple weeks ago. Um, but the reason we decided not to focus on every spiritual gift um, is simply because some are more straightforward and it would just stretch out the series so long. So we could do a whole week on the gift of teaching or the gift of encouragement, um, but it, I don't know that it, it would have the same impact. And so in an effort to keep this series at like 15 weeks versus 25 weeks, uh, we're not going really deep into, uh, they're not more natural uh, because they're still, all spiritual gifts are supernatural, but the gifts that have a more natural counterpart, if that makes sense. Sorry, I got locked up. Do you, equate, do you equate receiving the gift of tongues to learning a new language, or does it come complete? You wanna, I, can, I, can, yeah. I can talk Go about that. Um, so I'm outing myself right now. I do spe- I, I speak in tongues, have a kind of a private prayer language, and um, I would say it's similar to learning a new language, but it is still mysterious. There's, um, I feel like over the years, six or seven years, um, started with a couple kind of random babbles that I just dismissed for about 18 months because I thought that was probably really weird. Um, but it does, it does tend to be something that, that grows kind of the more you do it, just kind of like any other gift, I would say. It's, 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 it's developmental. There's, there's more that comes um, as you do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when I answer the question, I'm not really good at yeah. multitasking. So I heard it's a myth anyways. No one can except for Mark. <laughs> um, we haven't really discussed dreams, but that seems to be a way God breaks through, both in the scriptures and in the world today. How does that fit within the other gifts and any thinking on why it isn't listed with the other gifts from Paul? Yeah, I think it's, it's basically wrapped up in prophecy most of the time. So it's kind of a, a, a mode of receiving a prophetic word. So um, these prophetic words or pictures can come through dreams. They can come through, you know, visions while you're awake. Uh, they can come, you know, in a bunch of different ways. But um, we obviously see dreams throughout the scriptures, a lot in the Old Testament, see some in the New Testament. Um, so it is a, a way that God frequently does speak to us, communicate to us in a, in a supernatural way. Um, it's, I, I often think that... Um, Sometimes uh, it's, it's, just, it's always God's grace to give somebody a, a dream that just reveals his love or, or a message to pass along for somebody's encouragement. Um, but it's often like we're, if we were more kind of open and, and seeking uh, words from the Lord uh, throughout the day, I think that's often what he does. Uh, but even in his grace, even when we're not doing that, it's like just amazing that he can wake us up in the middle of the night with a dream and speak mm-hmm. to us there. So it's just another... I see that as a way to just thank and praise God uh, that he can, he can still reach us even in our, like, subconscious sleep level, you know? Yeah, that's good. Oops, lost one. Um, what is the ideal vision for the gifts transforming this church? So we talked about that a little bit, but... Yeah, ideal vision, I think, is that everybody has a, a growing awareness of what their spiritual gifts are and how... Uh, they, they play a role in the church through that spiritual gift. So uh, emphasis on growing understanding because, Lord willing, we're continually having new people join the church. Um, a lot of them are uh, going to be from non-Christian backgrounds, so this is all totally new, or they're coming from a Christian tradition that hasn't taught on it as much, and so it's going to feel really new. 
as well. So hopefully we constantly have people for whom spiritual gifts are brand new. I hope that's the case. Uh, and yet the, the longer we go as a church and the more uh, we're just together as a people, uh, I think people are going to become more and more mature in their own spiritual gifts and helping others discern theirs. And so that's, that's my biggest desire is just to, to shepherd and, and disciple one another in uh, just the, the proper use of spiritual gifts. Um, I don't have some big goal for like, when we arrive, then this will happen. You know what I mean? Like, if we have like a prophetic word in every service or like there's like a certain number of healings per year. Like there's nothing like that. It's just like, Lord, give us more of yourself. Mm. I would just add to that. Um, I feel like a, a lot of the ways that we see it transform the church is that it decentralizes like just sermon that's good. church. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how American Christianity is right now. It's like there's the sermon and then everything else. And uh, that's one of the gifts of walking in the gifts is that we are all, I mean, we all have the spirit of God inside of us. We're all coming actually to the gathering with a gift. Like we're coming, that's what Paul's saying. Like each, each of you has a word, a hymn, a lesson. Like there's, it, that's, that's really the, when we see it, that's a lot of it is trying to decentralize what we're doing up here and empower everybody. Um, the Bible, here's another question. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> period. Uh, <laughs> The Bible says prophecy will pass away, that it will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, this is in 1 Corinthians 13. What is Paul saying, and why does he single out these gifts? Um, and then he says, when will this happen? Yeah, so chapter 13, um, starting in verse 8. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And that's probably like the word of knowledge, not just knowledge in general. Uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, which is uh, sort of a, a synonym for uh, the return of Christ and the new creation, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known." Um, I believe what this is saying uh, is simply that prophecy and tongues and some of these gifts simply won't be needed in the new creation because these are, are gifts meant to help us overcome certain barriers in this world. So we, we struggle to hear the voice of God, and so prophecy is really helpful. Uh, we struggle to, to pray and, and experience God through prayer in an intimate way, so tongues is really helpful. And like, just think about every single barrier in your spiritual life being removed. And that's, that's the new creation. That's what we're looking forward to. Every, every time that you think like, man, I don't know, this is, this is confusing. I mean, we won't, be, we won't be God, but like knowledge will go from in part to in full. Um, and the implications of that are, are just, just incredible. I mean, being, being free from sin, um, being free from, from confusion, which is often a, a, an evidence of spiritual warfare. Um, to be free of all of those things and to be complete and to go from looking through a glass dimly to seeing clearly, like, man, I just can't, mm -hmm. can't wait. Um, it's just, just incredible to think yeah, about. That's good. Um, any advice on sharing my own experiences with spiritual gifts with my CG? It can feel risky and easily misunderstood. Yeah. I can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's good. I would say even in the past couple of weeks, I've shared some stuff with our own CG that has felt risky and maybe misunderstood. Um, I'm just, I think they've been great for the most part. Uh, but I've been really actually challenged by that personally. 
And um, a lot of it is, I've even, in, in the book of Revelation, it's a kind of weird verse, but it says that, that testimony is, the, is a spirit of prophecy, which is really what that means is in the same way prophecy can tell us what's true and what can be true. Actually sharing your own experiences like opens up a doorway for people to see what can actually be happening rather than just like reading it. Um, but they can hear what, your spirit, what the spirit is doing in you. Um, and I feel like I've seen that in some ways, even just sharing some different stories and then people kind of coming back, even if it's not the same experience, having something like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. So I just really want to encourage you to kind of to lean into that, that there's a real, there is a way, there is, there is a risk, um, but in a lot of ways it can be the doorway to other people experiencing mm-hmm. more of those things. That's good. I got your, I got your passcode yeah, down now, bro. Resets like every 20 seconds. It's all right. It's all right. That's why you don't use the iPad when you preach. You're still That's a right. paper guy. No. You still listen to cassette tapes. <laughs> uh, sorry. That's, That's no. right, <laughs> Jesus was not able to do many miracles in his hometown due to lack of faith. If I lean cessationist, would I be viewed as potentially holding back the miraculous mm. in this church? Interesting. Um, so faith is connected to healing and miraculous power. Uh, throughout the Gospels in several different ways. So I talked about that in the healing sermon. Sometimes it's somebody's faith that is credited with the power for for receiving the miracle. Sometimes it's the faith of the person who's praying for the miracle. Uh, Sometimes it's the faith of somebody who's like not even there at the moment. And sometimes faith is not mentioned at all. So it's clear that faith plays a, a significant role in miracles and healing and that it's not transactional either, you know, so you can't say like, well, if I had more faith, then then God would do this, you know. Um, Nothing, nothing in Christianity is transactional unless you count like the atonement is transactional, then sure. Um, But rather, it's it's all relational. And so um, our our faith should continue to be to be growing um, and and like honing in and, and getting stronger for faith and miracles. Uh, and yet, that doesn't mean we're automatically going to see everything that we want to see. And I forget the second part of that question. Would I be holding us back? Wow. No. Um, so not holding us back. And the question was like, if I hold if a I cessationist, cessationist That's yeah. a good question. Yeah. We hope that members still feel comfortable holding a cessationist view, which is one that believes that the gifts uh, ceased in the New Testament period in the first century. We hope that those people still, I say those people, I hope that doesn't sound like derogatory. We hope that you still feel just as loved yeah. and welcomed here as anybody else. Uh, this series isn't trying to like weed people out or like say, yeah. here's where we are, so we're trying to move you along. We hope that this still feels like a welcoming and an encouraging uh, place. Um, and so I wouldn't say you're, you're holding us back at all. Um, I think you actually make us stronger because I, I deeply believe theological diversity mm-hmm. uh, on secondary issues makes a church stronger when there's theological clarity around the gospel, which is the central thing. Um, and so I don't think you're holding us back at all. I think you make us, you make us better. Um, but if you were thinking, am I going to experience less of God's presence because of this view, that's, that's a, a harder, harder question. And I don't think that, that the Lord is going to withhold his presence from you. Um, and yet at the same time, I also think that all these calls to, to be filled with the Spirit and to seek the Spirit... Uh, to pursue spiritual gifts are really valid, and the Lord does meet us and, and answer those prayers as well. So I'm trying to hold both those things in tension. I'm trying to, this is like an on-the-spot illustration, which I would not do in a sermon, so maybe it doesn't work. I think of all the times that, um, 
our, our kids will, um, will like do something around the house that, you know, that we've asked them to do um, and, and think that they've done a lot more than they have and they don't realize how much we've been doing for them like all day long. Mm. Um, and so they're like kind of excited about the little bit that they do and yet they don't even realize behind the scenes we've been doing like six hours of dishes and laundry and like all of this other stuff, paying bills. Um, and so I feel like often we have such a small awareness of what the Spirit's doing, even if we're f- like fully charismatic. So you could be as charismatic as the day is long. We still are only experiencing and aware of a fraction of what the Spirit's doing within us. And so for people that hold a cessationist view, I think they're still experiencing a lot of the presence of God. Maybe they're just not quite as aware of it, but that's true of all of us. Um, so I would just encourage you continue to seek the Holy Spirit uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you land in a different place than, than me on the, the use of these gifts today, praise God, we're still glad you're here. That's my answer. Did that illustration even make sense? I'm not sure. That, that was good, yeah. Like 40% maybe? Uh, at least 80. Not 80. That was good. There's no way that was 80. Well, I appreciate it. Though. How can charismatic Christians, um, basically just saying, how do we not idolize the gifts to feel more self-important within our role? Or just idolize the gifts in general. Yeah, you want to take that? Yeah, I, I can. I can give it my best shot. Yeah. Um, that's a great question and a great thing to be considering. Yeah. Like that's a we we also like think about that all the time. Like that's one of the major pitfalls is we just start to seek these manifestations versus what the manifestations are pointing to. It's why they're even like called sign gifts because signs are meant to point to something. You know, they're not like. Yeah like the, you know, whatever sign it is, you're not like, wow, what a beautiful sign. It's meant to point to whatever the thing is. How was that? 80% illustration? Is that okay? 40. Um, so I think that's the, th- I mean, we just, and it's, it's why we're talking about word and spirit too. It's that we want, we want to, and what, even when we mean word, we mean centering it on like the living word, Jesus himself, the gospel, everything points to that. Even prophetic words are not meant to like I don't know, continuing to kind of talk, we're Trinitarian, like the Holy Spirit's not sneaking out at night, being sneaky and leading us into some weird stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but they're doing these things together. So I think that's one of the main ways we, we do it, um, and just trying to continue to make sure things are about Jesus and the gospel and not much else. Me, can I just read? Um, yeah. So 1 Corinthians 12 obviously just speaks right to this, but it's worth stating. Verse 24 God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And I think that's just something for us to keep uh, coming back to. Um, And I think spiritual gifts really does do that. You mentioned this a second ago. It kind of levels the playing field um, because spiritual gifts are... uh, you can't even really boast in them because they're not even like operational 100% all of the time. You know, it's like a humbling thing to be like, I've got a gift of prophecy. And then to like wait on the Lord when somebody's like standing there and you're like, oh, actually, I got nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to just be reminded of the humility um, that's required to use these gifts properly um, and to, to really honor people when you see them living in their spiritual gifts, whether it's, you know, tongues or, you know, something that, that, seems more like dramatic or like, you know, what is it like giving generosity is like a spiritual gift, mm. you know? Um, so just like the ordinary stuff of life that people contribute to really like uh, honor those things as much as we can. So you like one or two more? Yeah, I was going to say, okay, great. Um, how can we discern dreams from the Lord or bad dreams that are just 
my brain, and then spiritual warfare, more demonic dreams. Yeah, so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare in two weeks. I think you're doing that one. It's like right after Easter. We're right just going like to go right yeah. for spiritual warfare. Do it. So Let's go right to it. Be good. It's good. Um, so what, you'll probably speak to this more. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting is the way that a, that a dream makes you feel when you wake up and then what the message uh, you're hearing is. And it's not even necessarily like an audible or like a, a, a words message, but it might just be that you wake up feeling like, I feel, you know, I feel like that was a bad dream, but when I'm thinking through it, it just seems odd. I don't know what, what it is. Still pay attention to that feeling because uh, I can be the spirit and then try to discern like kind of what message is, is in there. Um, our, our kids have often experienced spiritual warfare through uh, bad, bad dreams. Um, I've talked about that kind of in, in generals, and I'll keep them in generals. Um, but there are times when we've felt under more intense spiritual opposition as a family, and it manifests through uh, dreams of actually just one of our particular children. And so he'll wake up and um, not only be, be terrified about what he's seen in the in the dream, but say things that are just definitely not from the Lord, like literally like in the middle of the night, like I'm so stupid, I've done everything wrong. Um, and it's like, man, it's so, um, I, I hate it for him. Um, and it, it can cause me to feel a lot of, of guilt um, that I'm exposing them to extra spiritual warfare. Um, but at the same time, we just keep, keep praying and keep seeking the Lord to, um, to help us feel all of the, the positive side of, of spiritual warfare, which is the worship and, and prayer and the gospel going forth. That's, that's the, the offense that moves forward, and we often just think of spiritual warfare in terms of defense. But my prayer is that even though my kids might be exposed to greater spiritual opposition, that they'll also be exposed just through the loving care of, of this church to, to sow so much more than, than most of their peers will be. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that I've just noticed in those dreams is like the message can often be really negative, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, um, and that's 100% not from the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Last question. Uh, how do I, I lost it, but I'll just go off the cuff. Yeah. How do, uh, it was basically like how do I talk to my more like spirit, gift, hesitant people in my life, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, relating to those, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think just being being genuinely thankful for those that are more spirit oriented and less spirit spirit yeah. oriented than you is really important. Um, and just uh, just communicating that together. I mean, throughout this series, I've uh, sat down and gotten coffee with people that are are wanting wanting us to kind of go even further in things of the spirit, and others that are more hesitant. Um, and I just try to communicate how thankful I am for them and that they, they make me better and make us better. Um, and so I'm, I'm still kind of trying to, to get them like, aligned with, with my view, and I think that's okay. I'm not trying to manipulate or anything, but I'm just saying here's where, where I'm at. And it's, I've studied this a lot, and I've spent a lot of years thinking through these things. And so I, I, I do get excited about them, and I want people to kind of see what I see. And yet at the end of the day, like, I'm not trying to just convince people to become more like me in the way you think, um, but rather just like being, being thankful. And so um, maybe just trying to hold that tension as well as you can. Um, yeah, that's good. Anything you want to add?
No, that's great. I, I'm gonna answer one more question though, because I think this yep. might apply to other people too. Um, it says, how would you counsel someone who feels like they are really trying to hear God's voice but are met with silence? Um, should we continue striving or accept periods of silence? Seems like there's biblical evidence for both. Um, I'm gonna say something to that, but even just like in general, like some of us are really leaning into these things and like not experiencing anything, you know? Or it, it, I was thinking about it earlier, it's kind of like some of this stuff has felt like you've had like a spouse for a long time and you just discovered they have like a hobby that you never knew about and you're like, what? You've been playing tennis like my, our whole marriage and I didn't even know. That's really messed up, you know? Um, But, but one of the things that I've been really thinking about and I, I think we would, we would say this is sometimes language creates barriers that don't need to be there. And even just like saying things like hearing the Lord's voice, I'm always kind of trying to be like, you, you do, like you have. Like if you've responded to Jesus at all, you've heard his voice. Like he spoke to you through scripture. Like you've had mornings where you're like, wow, that was different this morning. Like he's, he spoke to you. Like there's not, <laughs> right? And some, sometimes, same thing with like the prophetic stuff. Sometimes you're like, I've never done that. And I'm like, yeah, you've texted your friend on a whim and said, hey, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. And they're like, wow. Yeah. The, the charismatic person is like, that's the gift of prophecy. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, I don't know, something was on my heart, you know? So it's the same thing, that language can create barrier. That we're trying to really just bring some, like, unity around what the language is and then create bigger expectation for those things. So it's not to be discouraged, um, but even to look back and say, oh, I think God has done this in my life in ways. Um, and that there are just periods where it feels like there's moments of quiet. I don't know, you could speak to that a little bit too. Yeah, there was... Um I don't think I've shared this in a, in a sermon, but maybe I have. There was a, a person who is being a pastor that was interviewed, and they asked about why we don't see revival more in our country. And his answer was that pastors typically leave three months before it happens. And his point was, so the average um, pastorate in uh, America is three years. So people leave on average every three years. And so his point was they, they labor and labor, and they think nothing's happening, and so they go to another church uh, and if they would have just stayed three more months, like there would have been a breakthrough. And I think that's, that can be true of our prayer lives as well, that we can wait on the Lord and wait on the Lord. And we're like moments away from the breakthrough, but then we kind of close the book and put the journal away and get up and do our thing. And so I would just encourage you, like, keep, keep seeking the Lord, keep, um, keep showing up, um, even when it feels like you're not getting like the breakthrough that you're experiencing. You're you're still being molded into Christ-likeness, even in those moments where you're not really hearing the voice of God in the way that you're you're hoping uh, that you will. And so keep keep going, keep uh, keep showing up, keep giving uh, God every opportunity to speak into your life. That's great. All right. That's hey, thank you guys for doing this. Not just this Q&A, but this series. I know for some of you it's been really challenging. For others of you it's been a blast. It's been fun for me. I like this stuff. I like teaching on harder topics. Um, I am kind of ready for a break as well. Uh, These sermons have taken a lot more study. But um, for those of you that that are maybe just brand new to all of this, just thank you for walking with us. Thanks for hanging with us. If you're a community group leader, especially, like thank you from the bottom of my heart. We've asked a lot of you in this season. Um, We're so glad that you've been willing to to shepherd people through uh, an important but tricky series. So we love you guys, love all of you. Thanks for sticking around, and we'll see you on Friday night and or Sunday morning. Peace be with you.